0: Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org.
1: Good morning. This morning's Sunday talk will be given by Chigon Roshi, and he will lead the discussion. I will be leaving for Daibusatsu Zendo tomorrow and we'll be there for anniversary session and hope to see all of you, if not in person, on Zoom at that time.
0: Good morning, welcome to the last Sunday of the month of June. Time flies. We hear that quite often. And here in the northern hemisphere where I find myself, and probably a good number of you also find yourselves, summer has come. Last week, the solstice came. And the days are already getting shorter once again. yet we are aware also of this record-breaking heat. Heat in the Northwest of the United States, never experienced before. So nature tries to teach us something here that can also be clearly applied to our practice. Even though the days are getting shorter There is less sunlight. The cumulative effect, the being steeped in the heat, the retention of the heat, the becoming the heat is like in our practice as we come closer and closer to be fully, fully permeated by it. Heat is just one image of that. Nature, sometimes it is also said in in a simulate that if you walk even through the finest of mist long enough, eventually your clothes will be thoroughly drenched and you'll be wet all the way down to the skin. So today, My question is, well, what is it, this practice? What does it mean when Shingeroshi tells us going to Daibosatsu Zendo for a session? Are we retreating into formal practice? Are we retreating from the world? What is happening after our 14 month long session of this COVID pandemic? Is it ending? How are we to look at all those changes, those challenges? And the term comes to life, at least in my view that we hear off and on, and I have used it here and there, but it is of central, central importance, at least for walking this path from the point of view of this practitioner sitting here giving this talk. And that term is Angya, pilgrimage. We hear it when we recite the Kozen Daito Yuikai, after the pilgrimage of this monk has ended. After that, pilgrimage taking us where? Through landscapes, seasons, times, into isolation, towards community, in community, away from community. So what is this Angya about? Is it seeking? Haven't we heard from Master Rinzai, not to seek? Hakuin Zenji, why are you seeking far away? I would like to read a short passage from one of our ancestors, Daiye Soko, who lived in around the turn from the 11th to the 12th century. He's in the 49th generation after the historical Buddha in the accounting of the lineage. And his teacher was Ingo Kokugon, of course, then in the 48th generation. So in his letters, which you can find translated into English in a book that's called Swampland Flowers by Christopher Cleary, there's this passage that I would like to share with you today. This is from a letter to a practitioner, to a seeker, to a student, and it is entitled in this translation Don't consciously await awakening. So here is what Daya Soko had to say. Haven't you read how in the old days, Master Hu said, the ancestors coming from the West only means that winter is cold and summer is hot. Night is dark, and day is light. Daye continues, it's just that you have vainly set up meaning where there is no meaning. Create concern where there is no concern. Impose inside and outside where there is no inside or outside and talk endlessly of this and that where nothing exists. Therefore, your cessation cannot be perfectly clear so that you cannot be independent of the senses and the sense objects. By this assessment, you have never come here to my place, seeking words of instruction. And I have never written or said a single word for you. Winter's cold, summer's heat, night's darkness, day's light, inside, outside, in between, east, west, south, north, have never varied, never increased or decreased, even the least little bit. What's the reason? Our school has no words and phrases, nor is there any doctrine to give to people. Since there is not a single doctrine to give to people, what's this that's written right here? And what is it that speaks of winter's cold, of summer's heat, inside, outside, and in between? What is it that has never shifted east, west, south, or north? Even a hair's breadth. Bah! Existence cannot be grasped. Non-existence cannot be grasped either. Winter's cold and summer's heat cannot be grasped. Inside, outside, and in between cannot be grasped. The one who speaks like this cannot be grasped. The one who hears such talk cannot be grasped either. Not even a fine hair can be grasped. Neither you nor I can be grasped. Amidst ungraspability, apprehending things this way, when you get to this point, how will you seek? Even this how will you seek has no applicability. Hence. These words, too, are not acceptable. Since these words are not accepted, I certainly have nothing to say, and you certainly have nothing to hear. No speech is true speech, and no hearing is true hearing. Thus, I am you, and you are me. We are not two, you and I. Because there, because there is no duality, no distinction, and no separation. When the Colossus of Chochu eats yellow lotus, the iron ox of Shanxi tastes the bitterness. Bitter, not bitter. Clearly behold what cannot be seen. Ah We might complain about the heat. We might endure the heat. We might see the heat as it is now, as an expression of our human abuse of the environment of Mother Earth. hot and cold, bright and dark. Not just Daiei Soko speaks about it. Many of us will have encountered case 43 of the Blue Cliff Record. A monk said to Tozan Ryokai, cold and heat descend upon us, how can we, can we avoid them? Tozan replied, Why don't you go where there is no cold or heat? The monk said, Where is the place where there is no cold or heat? Tozan Ryokai said, When cold, Let it be so cold that it kills you. When hot, let it be so hot that it kills you. Well, wait a moment. Does that mean we shouldn't do anything? It's a very, very important question to ponder. And here is another saying that we find in the Zen tradition, expressed here in a calligraphy by the abbot of Tenryuji, the first four characters of an eight character saying, and these first four characters, which you might find on calendars of this year for the month of June, that were are given as gifts. It reads, Ho, Ho, To, Jakusu. Ho is step, step, firmly step on the ground. A wonderful saying that in its eight characters continues with four more, Ryoku, Sui, Seizan, which means green waters, blue mountains. And these last two characters, which you see here, this one and this one, Tojaku, is a teaching for us Zen practitioners to step firmly on the ground. And to step firmly on the ground, what does it mean? To create connection, to create relationship, to create awareness of, of course, how we take each of these steps. Why is there an issue of climate change? Because we did not walk carefully. We trampled for many years, firmly sitting in our self-centered point of view of how can I indulge myself yes, a little longer? Not feeling the interconnection, the causality of being. We've been trampling around way too long. We hear in this practice about not leaving traces. That's exactly it. But at the same time, to jaku to be firmly grounded, to have that firm connection with Mother Earth. At times people ask, what is Daishinkon, the great faith, the great trust in the Dharma? What is that? It is the same amount of trust we have in being able to stand firmly on Mother Earth. Her is supporting us without discrimination. We are not afraid to be swallowed up most of the time at least. And this deep, deep trust in the natural activity of the Dharma is what we make connection with by stepping firmly, by not trampling, by not leaving any traces. This activity of Dharma is always moving. It is its nature to move. Speed. Time space and the relations thereof are concepts of the human mind. And because of that, they are dimensionally limited. As soon as dimension becomes any different than endless dimension, beginningless dimension, Life becomes other than universal life. It becomes a small life, limited to the confines of beliefs, of fears, of the forces of greed, anger, and delusion. Endless dimension, universal life, utterly present, And once we limit that, the trouble starts. As I said, we call it delusion. We can also call it ignorance. Ignorance of what is obviously holding us here, sitting wherever we are sitting, standing wherever we are standing, firmly grounded. As soon as we take our ideas for real, for objects, we leave the relational activity of the Dharma. Let's think of an example. Opposition to what we don't like. We call it sometimes pushback. And just by that, we know two-dimensional pushback has only two-dimensional effects. In the same way, just by saying that, we know two-dimensional complete, unquestioned affirmation is just the same thing turned 180 degrees, but still the limited activity. Larger issues cannot ultimately be addressed in this two-dimensional way, only prolonged, pushing, pulling, pushing, pulling, pushing, pulling on this flat plane, yet, Shall we just die from the heat and not do anything? Of course not. We need two-dimensional symptomatic treatment at times to save life, to have the ability to live on for deeper changes to come. When health and life are at stake, medicine becomes necessary. And then when we are strong enough, we can go forward in good health and begin the heavy lifting, still treading lightly firmly connected with the ground of the Dharma that supports us. So this calligraphy and these four characters of hoho tojakusu as it is read is only half of the whole saying and it befits our practice not even half needs to be said. And what we discover is that what is not shown, it's not demonstrated, but by no means does it mean it is not there. Ryokusui Seizan, green water, blue mountains on our pilgrimage, which of course is the expression of the movement of the activity of Dharma. When we go with our feet firmly connected to the ground, mountains disappear. The pilgrim disappears, like clouds and water. Effortless connection and relationship. So we might not always find ourselves next to the green waters that are flowing and refreshing us or the blue mountains in a majestic setting. But our disappearance as a pilgrim, as an angyasa, in this pilgrimage of the practice of the path of the Bodhisattva, we must develop that firm step that allows us to disappear. Not only in nature, but society, in the Zendo, anywhere. And what comes with it, again, is what is not shown. We shall return. We shall awaken again to the consciousness and the awareness. Of those beautiful blue mountains, those refreshing green waters, along with the need to see where our bodhisattva energy can be expended to alleviate suffering, to dispense medicine to take on pain and burdens. So that overall, the activity of Dharma will be what all of our pilgrimage is. The gratitude that comes with this reappearance here in this human world despite all of the challenges that we might have to face. From my point of experience is as endless as the challenges might be. The appreciation of this wonderful unfolding of human life, of all other life, Of every being, stone, trees, dark matter, whatever we might call it, can only be responded to with the action of thank you, giving ourselves fully away to the best of our abilities. So Zen practice is like those wonderful toys or those wonderful contraptions we have for little children to learn walking so we don't fall over and cry too much or hurt ourselves. But, you know, When I look around, I don't see any of us still within that contraption. And even once we free ourselves from the crutches, from those little flotation devices that keep us up while we start learning how to swim. Swim, let's swim together. Let's see. Together, what we can do for each other, born, unborn, present, unpresent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Chigan Roshi, for guiding us on our pilgrimage today with such tenderness and strength of purpose. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who spoke with wonderful examples. And now let us go to reciting the great vows for all.
0: This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.